right, so we are First John chapter 3. We're going to almost finish. It's kind of a weird break, but um, we're almost going to finish chapter 3, and then we'll get into chapter 4 next week. So that'd be good. All right, let's pray again. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you that it's inerrant, it's infallible, and it's you breathed it into existence, Lord. You 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 exhaled it, Lord. You you made it real to us, Lord. You manifested your word of life concerning the word of life, the things that we've experienced through your Son, the things that we've experienced outside your Son, Lord. Lord, we count it all as lost, that you, Lord, may just be glorified. Lord, we're here to see your name glorified. We're here to see you magnified in, in our lives. And we gather together to study your word, to, to take in, to prepare us, to equip us for the things that you have for us, Lord, for those good works that we may walk in them, Lord. No, we don't gather here just to hang out and have another Bible study. Lord, we, we just gather here to, to glorify your name. And Lord, through worship, we do so. Through living, we do so, Lord. But right now, Lord, we ask that you would just clear our minds and clear our hearts of the circumstances we may be in and um, the things that are going on in our lives, the, the worries and the cares of this world, Lord, that your word would just be free to reign in us tonight. Lord, that you would be glorified in everything that we do so just be with us be among us and lord just speak speak to your people in jesus name so last week we um went through the beginning of chapter three and you know it it says you know to and everyone who has this hope who has this jesus um in him purifies himself just as he is pure you know whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness and then it gets back into um whoever has been born of god does not sin you know he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous so we need to be pure we ended with that we need we need to have purity in our lives and you know it's so that we would have confidence at his coming that we wouldn't be ashamed, that we would continue in the things of purity so that when he comes back, we would remain in those things. We would be caught doing the pure. We would be caught just saturated by purity, that we wouldn't be caught with our hand in the cookie jar, that we wouldn't be caught doing stuff that you know we shouldn't be doing, that we would continue abstaining from sin. As he says, continue loving each other. Also continue abstaining yourself. Continue... Uh, being far from sin, you know, because like it says, he whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And the reason why he came was so that what? That we wouldn't have to do that stuff. The reason why he was manifested on this earth was so that he would destroy the works of the devil. That's what it, that's what we ended with last week, you know, that we would proclaim him and keep proclaiming him over our sin that that in those times when we're just sat we're just surrounded by sin 
we would proclaim his name and proclaim his covering over us, that he would protect us, that he would shield us from taking hold of that sin or entertaining that sin or letting it come into the temple of the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus was manifested on this earth, just like he inhabited uh, the costume of a human, you know, like uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, is that um, he was he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus came to this earth to abolish the works of the devil, that he would clothe us with his righteousness. And the fact is that history can't remain silent. You know, it's, a proven, it's the most proven fact in world history. History has to acclaim the death and resurrection as valid. But they see it as just an act, a miracle, uh, you know, something like the pyramids or the eight wonders of the world. They see it as just a, an event that happened, just like George Washington died, just like Abraham Lincoln died, how George Washington was the first president, you know, just like that. They see it as an event that happened, but there's no victory in it because it's just a fact. All it is is a uh, uh, a history, a historic event in a, in a history book to them. So it says, you know, that, yeah, the, the, uh, the Smithsonian might claim it as the most proven fact in world history, but they're a secular source, and they're still secular. And, yeah, they might admit it, but, dude, why don't they take hold of it? Why don't they let that event just bring victory into their lives? Why don't they let that event bring freedom from sin into their lives? And I don't know all the people that work there, but man, it, it shouldn't just be a fact to us. It should it should be like our banner, you know, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because without it, we are just a bunch of liars and just a bunch of people that are lost and dumb, just failing every day, you know. And in, in like manner, just like... This is a fact, you know, so people around us in our lives will claim us to be of God or of blank. You know, we there, there's a truth about people when, when, you, when you go out and you have friends and say, I were to bring in some friends that that don't know the Lord. They should be able to tell you guys of of how Jesus is working in my lives, because I should be so explicit to that. I should share that with them every day. I should, I should, you know, share not only, you know, yeah, I, I have a lot of friends on Facebook that are not Christians, and they always ask me where I, where do I get this stuff from? Where, what do I, how do I know God this way? And that's why I always post stuff, you know, because I, I want, I want to become things to all men that they would be saved. And maybe those are the questions that they have. Maybe those, uh, what I'm posting, are answers to their questions. Maybe it's something to spur them on. You know what? At my high school, during my senior year, um, there was a group of kids that, like, were quote unquote radically saved, and like they started preaching it from the planners. They would set up around the school as a public school, so it wasn't like a Christian school. And they would set up around the planners, and they would just preach it. They would just preach it. And they could. We, the teachers let them. It wasn't a big deal. But all of them fell away. All of them, like, there's not one that's walking with the Lord right now. And it's just like, 
I wanted like I was so heartbroken like when you know I, I put that what happened to all the kids that used to preach it during summer uh, during during high school during lunchtime at my high school and it's like man that was life they were preaching life to people and and the thing is is that we also affect a lot of people around us whether they're Christian or they're not if you're surrounded by Christians and you should be spurring them on you should be spurring them on f going forward advancing in the kingdom and not just staying stagnant C the Christian witness is not around us so that we would just remain you know in cruise control but it should be to spur us on you know, we gather together to go forward in the things of Jesus, not just stay still and just have this as another Bible study. You know, so we get to verse 10. Either either we're going to be manifested as people that know the Lord, or what does it say? In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Whoever does not practice his, practice righteousness is not of God. What is righteousness? So I looked it up. In a broad definition, it's the state of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness is the condition acceptable to God. The doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved of God. It's integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. Now, in a more narrower view, it's, it says justice or the virtue which gives each his due. And that, I think, is strained from Proverbs 14, I think, uh, or Proverbs 24, where it talks about that each man will will reap what he sowed in the end and at, at the point of of death you know whether you're in the white throne or or, or at the bema seat it's because of what happened here on this earth whether you accepted or denied the person and work of jesus christ so what do these things mean it involves like crowd participation it involves us doing stuff and, you know, yeah, we can quote and say, oh, but all of our righteous deeds are as filthy rags before the throne of God. Yeah, they are because the throne room is pure and it's white and it's clean and it's perfect. Of course, everything that we do is going to be as filthy rags before the Lord. But that doesn't mean that they don't exist. That doesn't mean that our, our, our righteous deeds are just, to, all right, forget it. I'm not going to do anything righteous then. Because what is it? It's as filthy rags. No, it's not because of that. They're still there. Those those deeds that we do, you know, they they have to exist. You know, even though we we know we can't attain perfection, we should strive to be more like Jesus. Even though we know we can't be Jesus, it should be our goal to imitate Him. Right? That's what the Bible says: "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." You know, we are called to be like him. We are called to adorn ourselves. Romans thirteen fourteen says, But put on the Lord Jesus and mean no provision for the flesh or the lust thereof. Don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, but put on Jesus Christ. In putting on Jesus, you will not do thus and so. Furthermore, in Isaiah, 
you know, we talked about Isaiah 61, uh, and in verse 10 it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul sh shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Notice how he goes back to the marriage again. You know, he talks about that the salvation is of the Lord and how he's clothed us with the robe of, of his righteousness, not our righteousness. It, it covers our sin. And what does it do? It adorns us. It prepares us. It, it's an ornament for the coming marriage. You know, and I, I love that. I, I just love the example of marriage. I love the example of everyone in the Bible. I love that example because it teaches me how much I fail at my marriage. You know, it teaches me how much I, I, I don't do the things that are needful, you know, and I need to pour into my wife on the daily. I, and and I'm, I've lacked that. And, you know, and the Lord knows where we're at. But, you know, I, 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 I've declared like from this day forth to begin pouring into my wife. Not because, you know, not because I just want to have this spiritual thing with her. You know, we're, we're both saved and we both know the Lord and we both have devotions. But like, I want to make sure we are on the same page regarding our future. You know, we, we both know we're not called to this country. We both know we're not called to, to stay here and just live our lives and get careers and stuff like that. Because we knew that when we first got married. When I, when I first sat down with her and I was like, hey, so what do you think your calling is? She's like, I know I'm not supposed to be in the U.S. And I said, yeah, me neither. And she's like, let's go to Mexico. And I was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and she's like, all right, you know, well, you know, maybe Mexico, you know, is a little tough. Let's go, you know, maybe let's take baby steps. Let's go to England. Let's go, you know. And we went to England, and we received a heart for England, and we're waiting for that fruition to come. And whether it comes in baby steps, that's okay, because that's what God's calling us to. You know, when God, you know, first, when he, when he broke my heart for this generation, I, you know, it's like my children are being lied to. And that's why we're in this book, because it claims truth to everybody. It sustains truth. It solidifies truth in us. And so, just like that, you know, with with um, with my marriage, I want to solidify just the calling that we have together as a couple. Because it's not just me making decisions; it's us being of one accord. Because, again, an example: the Church of Jesus. You know, it's guided by the Holy Spirit. And the, what does the church do? It says yes and amen to everything that the Father has, because they know it's His will. You know, so it's like, you know, the Lord can speak to his church and the church could either be deaf or it could hear. So I can speak to my wife and I could say, hey, let's go here. Let's do this. And she could be like, I don't want to hear it. You know, or she can say yes and amen because she is in, 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 in complete unity and in complete communion with the things of the father. You know, and she received that vision also. That's what's so cool about marriage. You know, you'll know 
when you guys are at one accord. You'll know when you guys are, you know, knitted in unity. You guys have the same vision. You guys have the same drive. You like to do stuff together. You know, that's how you'll know. So we are called to be righteous people. We are called to adorn ourselves with righteousness. We are called to, to put on the garment of salvation, you know, that, we, that people would see our good works. That people would see our good works and do what? And glorify the Father who is in heaven. These works are, are to be rooted and to be guided by the Holy Spirit in love. That's what this book is all about. You know, we could do th good things all day long, but if they're not rooted in love, it's filth. You know, we could do good all day long, and then what do we do? We, we divert the glory back to us. We do good all day long, and we're like, yeah, I'm so good, and we dethrone God. We do good all day long, and then what? We manifest ourselves as the children of the devil because we divert the glory that belongs to him and bring it back to us, filthy, despicable man. You know, we should do good, but we should give him the glory. You know, we shouldn't force the glory to return to us. We shouldn't, you know, manifest the our cause and our reason for doing stuff. We shouldn't do that. You know, we should be manifesting Jesus as the reason and the main cause for doing what we do. Why did you do that? Well, so that Jesus would be glorified. Why do you clean bathrooms so that Jesus would be glorified? Why do you go to third world countries so that Jesus would be glorified? Why do you serve the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds on Tuesday nights so that Jesus would be glorified? That's it. Everything, every reason to what we do so that God would be glorified. And even though they are as filthy rags, they just make his throne look way more beautiful. Even though we do good stuff, they just make his throne look way beautiful. And this is why we should do everything unto the Lord in love for the brethren. You know, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So what are we called to do? To practice righteousness and love our brother. Verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Again, it says, let the love, let that love be the engine. You know, let love be the engine. Let Jesus take the wheel. Let him be the conductor. Let the steam be as a sweet-smelling aroma unto him. Let the sound of the locomotive as it builds up and gains speed be as a, a, a sweet sound unto his throne. It's a beautiful picture. Jesus driving, the Holy Spirit driving, you know, and, and we're just giving him praise for everything he's doing. Wherever he takes us, whether it's up a mountain, down into a valley, we should be continually praising him for what he does. That's what we just sang about, you know, that he would receive all the glory. And we should continue in love, like it says here, not as the love of Cain, which what? It came from works. It was rooted in pride. It was guided by the wicked one, and it produced death. That's the complete antithesis of what Jesus has for us. It's the complete opposite. 
If we continue in love, we, we keep on loving the brethren. We increase in love for one another. We build stock in love. We invest in love for one another. And that people will know the manner of love that God has bestowed unto us that we would be called what? His children. That is why love is there. It's not just to, to be a word that gets thrown around here and there. You know, we've talked about love throughout these last six weeks, and it's just been like, it's been beautiful. But it's not a word that we just throw around because it was for the reason why God brought his son and made him go to the cross. That's the perfect result of love, that we would be sacrificial. Verses 13 through 15. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. First of all, don't marvel. When this world, when you go and you're loving people and you're sharing Jesus with people that don't know him, don't marvel when they hate you. Cain hated his brother. Why did he hate his brother? Well, because Abel worshipped the living God. He worshipped out of spirit, out of truth. He practiced righteousness, and Abel loved Cain. Just like you love Jesus, people hate you for loving Jesus. They hate you because you've chosen to respond and to receive from the love of God. You've chosen to respond to that call, just like many people did at the Harvest Crusade. You chose to respond to it. You chose to say, Jesus, I'm going to pick up my cross, and I'm going to follow you. They envy you. They're jealous of you. Because they don't have that love. People are looking for love. And you have the source of love. You have the cross of love. You have the, the love that poured out unto us. And they're jealous of that. You know, this is why we should always be redirecting every conversation back to the source. This is why we, we redirect a spirit of hate to the source of love. This is why we, we be ready in season and out of season, always preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because that's where love is. That's where love eternally is. It's always there. The cross is there eternally at living testament that love was poured out there that through one sin, though, the, though through one man sin came, through one act of righteousness so did salvation come. That's why it's there. So don't marvel at their attitude that, because the thing is we had that, once, we had that mind once. We also marveled. I marveled that my wife knew Jesus. I was like, wait, what? Are you serious? You like have a relationship with him? Like, what do you mean relationship? Like, are you guys buddies or something? You know, like, what do you do? Like, how do, what do, how do I get that? You know, like, can I add him as a friend? You know, like, what, what do I do? But we now know. And how, why do we know? Because we've passed from death to life. Because why? The Bible says because we love one another. I wouldn't have love for you guys if I if I, if we didn't have Christ in common. Because I love you in a different way. I love you because you love him. And, you know, and just like how because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
because yeah because he did that i can now love you guys with a brother in love with a sister in love you know it's just that's what we do that's how we know that we've passed from death unto life because if not we wouldn't have anything in common and i couldn't love you i would love you like i loved my friends and you know the the parties we used to have i would love that and not you because you are not of this world we have nothing in common just like jan heidi's mom i would have nothing in common with her you know i've talked about this before and she loves it she's like yeah i wouldn't like you either you know because seriously like what what would we have i was scared of meeting her for some reason i was like dude this lady like i don't know like you know just i, I don't know but dude like we're like peas and carrots now like we hang out like if you know if me and her were just you know if heidi and brian and carol all of a sudden went to the market we would have a conversation we would talk about stuff because we love jesus but you don't see that in the world you know they don't have that love he who does not love his brother is like cain and abides in death you know whoever hates his brother is like cain and is a murderer you know we murder them because why because we wish death upon them you know we're okay with them going to hell we're okay like if if i don't really love you i'm okay with you going to hell that's why the pastors we we rebuke sin you know, we do it out of love because we don't want you to go to hell. You know, and that's how every pastor should be. They should be quick to call sin, sin, because it leads to hell. It leads to death. The wages of sin are death. You know, but on the flip side, look at the end of this verse. It says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. No murderer has eternal life. The only thing that has anything to do with those people that don't have eternal life is the Holy Spirit as it sits next to them, convicts them of sin and righteousness. That's the only thing that we have in common because the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness, but they don't know the source of salvation. They don't know the source of freedom. They don't know where to go to. There's no eternal life in him. Jesus is extinct in their life. There's no life. They don't know that to them there is no way. To them there is no truth. To them there is no life. This is why we equip you guys to show them that there is a way, there is a truth, and there is a life. And we need more light. We need more light in our lives. We need more of Jesus. That's why we are called to send people out, to equip them, send them out, set up elders in every city, that there would be a godly witness in that city. That Jesus would be proclaimed in that city. That there would be freedom. That there would be refuge in every city. We don't do it just to say we have 70 churches or something. No, because we want to see Jesus work in every city. That's why there's so many Calvaries. It's good that there's so many Calvaries. Who cares if they're, if they're a mile away from each other? There's different cultures a mile away. You know? The thing is, people need more Jesus, and we need to equip ourselves for every good work that through the guiding of the Holy Spirit, we may just see people get saved. We need to equip ourselves, and if people are not equipping you, you equip yourselves. What? You don't need somebody, you know, you're, you're grown. We're grown people. 
we could we could be equipped by the Holy Spirit. You know, Hudson Taylor didn't have somebody, you know, over him telling him what to do. He had Jesus. Jesus was his head. Jesus was the one that he went to day in and day out, four or five hours, six hours a day. You know, but we here that believe in the Bible, we actually believe it. We will equip you. We want to equip you. Verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down ourselves for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? The New Living Translation for that first verse, verse 16 says, We know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us. And we, and so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. This is uncharted land for some of us. You know, we have devotions and we know the Lord and, you know, we, we pray and, and stuff like that. But when it comes down to, to letting our freedoms be bound for the sake of others, we fail. I fail. You know, like, we need to be sensitive to that. Because people are on a, uh, on a slippery slope sometimes. And sometimes they're just looking for one little thing. For one little one little mess up, one little just mistake from a leader, from an elder, from a deacon, that they would just just slip away. They're looking for that stuff sometimes, and that's why we need to bind up our freedom sometimes. When we're around each other, like I'm pretty sure when when Jennifer and Angela hang out, they know what their freedoms are and they're okay with their freedoms. When me and my wife hang out, we're okay with our freedoms. But when we invite somebody over, we need, to, we need to hold on to those freedoms and let, let them go for another time. Because we don't know the condition. We don't know the spiritual temperature or condition or sickness that the person coming into a godly home is going through. We don't know what's going on. You know, just like a doctor, when he gives medicine, he get, injects it slowly. Because he doesn't know if the person's going to reject it, if they're allergic. You know, that's why it's done slowly. You know, you can't just all of a sudden put somebody in, in a rehab home and just say, all right, we're going to just take you off completely off your drugs and that's it. That's why they wean them off slowly, you know, because their body would go undergo what? It would go under shock and they'd be, they, they could die. People can die from going to rehab and it done wrong, you know. And so with us, we should bind up our freedoms and just say, hey, you know what? This is how it is. You know, you're struggling with this and that. And, you know, we don't want to stumble anybody. We don't want to stumble anybody. We need to, lay, we need to learn how, when and how to lay down our lives for our sisters and our brothers. We need to learn and we need to have self-control. That's why one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Think about Jesus. Think about all the freedom he had. Think about how the Lord just gave him everything. You can do anything you want, son, but go to the cross and be without sin. He had the freedom to do anything he wanted. He could heal whoever he wanted if the Father willed. But one thing he couldn't do was sin. He had to lay down his life, a perfect and sinless life, 
for his brothers and sisters. Think about that. He went out and he poured into the people the things concerning the kingdom. He taught them love. He taught them how to pray, how to walk in the spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. He, he imparted the Holy Spirit unto them after he left. Why? So that everything that he did, everything that he said, would also exemplify him not being without, being without sin. Everything that he did was without sin. Everything that he did was unto the glory of God the Father. That's self-control. And so with that mind, arm yourselves with that mind, as First Peter says. You know, just like First Peter chapter 4, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, abstaining from sin, he suffered for us in the flesh, tr- making sure he was a perfect, spotless lamb, Arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Dude, that verse is powerful. You know, he didn't stumble anybody. That's why we need to look unto Jesus and have him be the example that we follow, that he should be the protocol that we follow. That we should look unto him, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, for the joy of seeing us with him in heaven, glorifying him. What did he, he despised the shame. He endured the cross, the glory of God the Father. And what did God do? He said, all right, son, you did it and you did it right. Come sit right here on my right hand. And there he is. And he's there. And he lives forever to make intercession for us. His cross stands forever to make intercession for us to continue to be the mediator between God and man verse 17 but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him how does the love of God abide in him how does the love of the father abide in us that when we see people and we see them in need we're just like ah all right, well, whatever, there's a lot of needs, you know. You know, there's a lot of needs, we're just going to ignore it, you know. And, and, and Jesus, actually, you know, he, he did it also. But he didn't do it at a sinful man, you know. There was no sin in him, you know. People were like, hey, you know, let's go this way. He's like, no, I got to go this way. You know, he, he knew what he, he knew his, his plan, and he, he knew the will of the Father, and he went there. You know, we could do so much. We could, you know, people have, have taken this verse, t- taken other verses and like just gone off the deep end. Like they go and they set up communal houses and they go and they dive into a doctrinal tangent and it magnifies a work and a creation and they forget all about Jesus. You know, that's not what this is about. What it's trying to say is that walk in the spirit and be ready for every opportunity for those people. When you do see them in need, if you have something to give them, give it to them. You know, but like, dude, honestly, I look for that stuff. I look for that stuff because I want to be stretched. You know, sometimes like I study on Fridays. I go, I go to Pete's on 2nd Street and I study. And I study from like 8 to like 1 or 2. And I don't have breakfast, so I just drink coffee, and I'm just, like, studying, studying, and I'm just, you know. And, yeah, I need more coffee. 
And, and dude, the, the people there, they're like, dude, this guy don't mess around. You know, like three Americanos deep. And I'm just like, yeah, I want, well, give me some water first. You know, and, you know, and I'm just like so in tune with what God wants to do. And, and then after that, I'm like, okay, what should I eat? And sometimes I don't feel like eating, but then I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy two double doubles. And if I see somebody on the corner, because there's always somebody right there as you get off on Long Beach Boulevard, if I see somebody, I'm going to give it all to them. And then, so I go and I'm like, all right, here we go. So I go and I'm like, I buy the food and I'm like ready. And I'm like drinking the lemonade as fast as I can. <laughs> drinking, eating some fries, you know, so just in case there's somebody there, I at least got something in me. But when I go there and I see somebody there and I'm like, hey, dude, check this out. Jesus loves you. And, and I, I challenged God. And God sit you here to have some lunch. And here you go. You know, he puts you in this place right now. How long have you been here? Two minutes. Perfect. Here you go. You know, and I like those opportunities. I, I look forward to those opportunities. You know, and I don't know. I, I want to see God work. And if it's me not eating, that's fine because it gives me more health. I, you know, I need to stop eating. I need to, you know. And, like, if it's going to stretch me that way, then I'm fine with that. I love food. But I need to be able to give it up so that somebody else would have food, so that somebody else would know that Jesus does love them. You know, so we got to look for those opportunities. We got to not only for for the thing is, it's, that's just bare minimum. Physical needs are bare minimum. What I'm saying is you got to look for spiritual opportunities. You got to look for people that need to know about Jesus. You got to look for people that that haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You know, that's what you need to look for. You know, we live, you know, Joey was saying that uh, at the pastor's meeting that, you know, we do live in a fast paced society. But how slow are we concerning our walk? You know, we're so, dude, we're driving like 80 miles to get to work. We're like, I can't be late. I can't be late. You know, blah, blah, blah. We're going in the carpool lane when there's only one person in the car. You know, we're swerving over and like we're looking for cops and we're just like, and then, you know, we get to work and we're like, yes, got 10 minutes to get coffee. You know, and then we get to work and we're just like, hey, what's up, boss? You know, just me and the boss hanging with the boss for 10 minutes and chilling. But then when it comes to Jesus, you're just like, oh, well, I got five minutes. I'll read this couple Psalms, a couple Proverbs. I'll be straight. You know, no. You know, we're, we're so quick to go 100 miles an hour when it comes to our needs, when it comes to getting a paycheck, when it comes to, you know, doing stuff for our work. But when it comes to do stuff unto the Father... We slow down. You know, it's like we have the spiritual highway patrol behind us, like telling us to slow down. Hey, you're going too fast. You're meeting too much with Jesus. No. It's like that's not the Lord's will. The Lord wants to meet with us. The Lord wants to hear our petitions. He wants to know our heart. He wants to break our heart for what breaks his. That's what his will is. And But we can't just receive that. You know, we have to... We have to meet with him. We have to have intimacy with him. You know, and we're not to love in just word and in tongue, but also in deed. What is what is verse 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. James, <laughs> slap you in the face, good James. Dude, 
chapter two. Let's see where we at here. Okay. Yeah. Chapter two, verses fourteen through twenty-six. It says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Verse 19. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by, by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Do we need to say anything else? That's it. You know, we need to, to, do, we need to let, be led by the spirit. And just give everything unto the Lord. Do stuff unto the Lord. You know, if we're led somewhere, if we're led to another country, you know, we should be so guided by the Spirit to bring salvation to that city. To not just go there. You know, when, when the Israelites were in Babylon, they were called to go, occupy, raise their families, and, and what? Proclaim the goodness of the Lord. Even though they were there and, and just... Wicked Babylon, you know, just like that, you know, just like Tim in L.A., he's sent there. He's not sending, there is no private schools over there that he would be able to send his uh, little Lily to, you know. He's equipping her to go to a place and go and receive from whatever the secular teachers have to receive and be able to discern from what is of God and what is not of the Lord. And so us... We should go and we should be lights. Uh, you know, uh, it was once said that I would rather shine my light in a place filled with darkness than in a place filled with lights. You know, it, we, we, are, we are called to go out. Go therefore, make disciples. Go out, set elders in every city. You know, to the ends of the world. We're not called to just be in a bubble and just hang out and have our little devotions here and there. We're called to go forward in the things of Jesus. And if you don't know what your calling is, you need to call up Jesus. You need to let him know, hey, why aren't you talking to me? Why haven't you called me up? Why haven't you let me know what your will is for me? I do. I'm straight up with Jesus. I'm like, dude, what's going on? You're not speaking to me. You know? And sometimes... Silence is better than him speaking because I get all excited. He says one word, I'm like, ah, you know, I like want more, give me more, you know, I want to know more, you know. And it's, you know, I, I think this new season that's coming around the bend, it's like he's not gonna let me know <laughs> until I walk through the right door, 
until I know, until I've discerned, until he's given me peace about what door is his door. And whether I go to every door and it's locked and it's locked and it's locked and I try everything and I'm like trying to pick the lock, you know, he's, he has a door for me and my wife and, and we need you like that. You need to be willing to walk through your door. You need to be ready. You need to be ready in season and out of season, you know, and we should be doing the work of an evangelist. We should be doing, you know, righteous deeds. You know, we should be showing people uh, our, our faith by our works. We should be showing people that we don't just do, we don't just clean up after people just for, in Jesus' name. You know, we just don't do that. We do it because we love them and we want to see them not abide in death, but receive eternal life in them. Verses 19 through, <laughs> Verses 19 through 20. Um, it says, And by this we know that we are of truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So this would be the gauge by, by which we know truth. You know, it, it, we'll have assurance in our hearts. And notice John is so smart, dude. I love that John, John is so smart because this could have been a little tangent that people could have used to split off and cause more division into God's church. But no, you know, in doing everything biblically and loving people, not only in word or in tongue and also in deed, it'll purify our hearts. What it'll do, it'll bring just cleansing to our hearts. It'll bring peace to our hearts. And it says that if and when our heart condemns us, he says, if, if your heart does condemn you, don't trip. You know, what did Jeremiah say about chapter, uh, in chapter 17, verse 9? The heart is, a deceit, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It could, it could condemn you. Even doing good stuff, even, you know, it could condemn you. But if it doesn't condemn you, we have confidence towards God. You know, if, if it condemns you, it's all right. Don't worry. God is bigger than our hearts. He created it. You know, don't worry about that. If it condemns us, yeah, my heart sometimes condemns me, but I know that my heart and my feelings and everything else, dude, it's deceitful, wicked. You know, but if our heart doesn't condemn us, it gives us confidence towards God. It increases our confidence. And as we go into uncharted land, we, we get stretched. We begin to grow. You know, our faith, you know, begins to build up. And as we continue, as we continue hearing the word of God, what does it say? And faith comes by hearing the word of God. You know, that's how our faith builds up. And that's how we know his commandment. What does it say? It says, and, his, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. That's it. We should continue believing in the name of the Son, of His Son, Jesus Christ. Just continue in that. Love one another. And your heart will just increase in confidence toward God. And if it condemns you, don't worry about it. You know, we need to sit at His feet. We need to make sure that we're preparing our day with prayer. We need to make sure that, you know, we're, we're setting in order the things that are uh, lacking in our, in our lives. 
whether it's at our house, you know, if, if, if our house is falling apart, we need to set those things in order. You know, if, if our house is dirty or whatever it might be, we need, to, we need a clean house. You know, before we can do anything else, before we can go out and be like, oh, I'm going to go serve the Lord, forget my chores. Or, for, you know, I have chores, by the way, if you guys didn't know. And, you know, I need to make sure that, you know, bef- like we might have a couple trips coming up. And right now I- I'm setting in order those things that are lacking. You know, and, and you know, I, I'm more knowledgeable. Dude, I've been saving, like, I'm like, babe, give me all the leftovers you have. Dude, dude garbage disposal. I'm ready to eat all that. So that, what? So that I would be able to be used by God ever, wherever he wants me to be used. You know, I'd rather, you know, just take leftovers before. You know, my wife cooks for, like, five people for some reason. And she she doesn't do it on accident because she wants to, like, feed my sister. And if uh, her boyfriend comes over, she wants to feed him. And so leftovers come in big amounts. But, dude, like, I've been saving money now, you know. And it's good. It's good. I, I, I'm stoked because I know that by me just, you know, before leftovers were just like, ah, oh, well, maybe, you know, it was all right. Maybe I'll take it, you know, but no, you know, now it's like, uh, I just, I know what I'm called to do and I need to prepare myself for that. I need to prepare myself and it's, and it starts now, like Paul said, you know, uh, um, I learned to abound and I've learned to be abased, you know, and, and I, I had a time of being abased. I had a time of, 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 of abundance and now it seems like it's coming back to being abased. But it's not, it's not to, for me to be bummed out. Because God's preparing me for other stuff. He's stretching muscles that I didn't, I didn't know I had. You know? And it's like, I'm ready. I, I want to I I see God work. I want to see him do work, you know. I, I want to see him. I want to see him set up elders in every city. I want to see him set up godly homes in every city in England, in Africa, in you know, Peru or wherever, you know, in Mexico and PV. I want to see him set up elders, and whether it's you know people for, like us, whether it's you and your future husbands or you and your future wife, whoever it might be. You know, it's like, I want to see God work through those people. I love seeing God work through those people. You know, like, I I just, I don't care. Like, I'm not bummed. that I, I was bummed that I didn't go to England, to tell you the truth. I was bummed that I didn't go this year. But I know that God has a plan for me in that city. And whether it's now or five years from now or never, at least I was willing. At least I was ready. At least I was preparing myself to go. And I can't be bummed at that. You know, I, I can't count that as a, I did count that as a failure. But I can't. Because God's bigger than what I feel. God's bigger than my heart. God's bigger than all my drive. He's bigger than all that. And dude, I'm the kind of guy that's just like, I want to go everywhere. I want to do everything. I want to do it big. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, do Joey said, okay, we might go to Hawaii. I got a webpage set up. I got a Twitter. I got a Tumblr. I got a Facebook. I'm ready. I want to do it. And if it doesn't happen, so what? Literally, so what? Like, if he goes without me, perfect. I'll just, 
have Peter send me all the updates and we'll set them up. And, you know, what? I don't have to be there to see God glorified. God's going to be glorified no matter what. You know, and whether I go or not, I'll be bombed again, but who cares? You know, God's bigger than my heart. God's bigger than my feelings. And, you know, but really, I just, that's my heart. Like, I know I'm not called to, you know, buy a house here and, you know, have toys and stuff like that because I can't take all that stuff with me to whatever country I'm called to. I can't take that stuff with me to heaven. You know? And that's why it's so good. I don't need to spend my money in that. Now a camera <laughs> and some lenses I could probably take with me. <laughs> but me and my wife will talk to you about that later. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you that we do have a calling, an individual calling, a unique calling, Lord, that we might see the salvation go forth in our communities, in our cities, Lord. And we want to see you work as you told, uh, as, as you told, spoke through Paul to Titus, Lord, to set up elders in every city. We want to see that done. Lord, we don't want there to be a city without a Christian witness. We don't want to see a city without people that know you and proclaim truth, in, not only in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth, Lord. We want to see people get saved, God. Whether Whatever language or whatever tongue, tribe, or nation, Lord, we want to see elders set up in every city. Lord, we want to see your name proclaimed from the rooftops. We want to see salvation come to many people, Lord. Lord, it's so good to hear about how you're working in India, how you're working in Iraq, in, in China, Lord, in England. Lord, I love to hear stories like that because they proclaim how good you are and how faithful you are to bring to fruition your word. Lord, to make people alive, to, to breathe into dead bones. Lord, and just restore and just mend wounds and heal scars, Lord, that your name would be glorified. Lord, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for being here. Thank you for just speaking to us, Lord. And I pray that we would all be encouraged to go out and proclaim your truth to a lost and broken world. Lord, equip us. Lord, make us hungry for your word. Give us a hunger. Give us give us a drive to, to be at your feet, Lord, and just to take in. Just be confident in love and in faith towards you. We love you, God, and thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Dude, so reality planet Ventura.